0: Tracy,
1: and I'm Norma.
0: And we're Black, Black Girls, Girls with Accents.
1: Hi everyone. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Today's a very special episode. Uh, we will be interviewing our very own Tracy L. Walter. She has a book is out. It's called Not Your Mother's Mammy. And it covers the black domestic worker in the transatlantic women's media. Tracy, welcome on our own show, how do you feel
0: about it? <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. This has been a, a labor of love almost going on 10 years. And you are actually in its infancy uh, part of it. I had interviewed you uh, many, many, yeah. many years ago. So, yeah, I'm thrilled that it's finally, finally on the shelves.
1: Yeah, it's wonderful. And and for me, that was actually, like, a really um, amazing part to see, too. Like, you know, getting interviewed and kind of knowing what you're working on. And then to see it, like, come together and actually reading the book now and seeing uh, so many different aspects to what the domestic worker means, especially the Black domestic worker means in America. And, like, actually, in a way, it feels almost universal. Seems like you know, like it seems like not only but so I've I've been enjoying it a lot. My first question would be, what brought you to do this project?
0: Well, as an academic, as somebody, you know, my job as a professor, I work mm-hmm. on scholarship. My 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 work is directed toward an academic audience scholars. My first book dealt with black women in classical Greek and Roman mythology. My second book Mm. was an edited collection on Zadie Smith. And then I have another full length um, reader on Zadie Smith. But for all of those projects, I didn't feel as though they necessarily connected with an audience beyond the academy. They were really targeted towards students or scholars that the average person wouldn't necessarily be interested in the subject matter. That was my thinking. So mm-hmm. for my um my what would be my fourth book I was really determined to work on a project that had some personal meaning and mm-hmm. that um could lift up and give voice to a community of women that I have seen every day of my life um that had a story to tell I didn't quite think that their story was being told in a way mm-hmm. that was um, accessible for the average person, that for sure there was lots of work going on in sociology and political science and history, but this work didn't necessarily trickle down to the average man or woman. So for me, it was a project, a labor of love. It was dealing with women who work as domestics uh, and not just in the US, but globally, because mm-hmm. a lot of women, especially those of, of African descent, but obviously it's la- uh, women of the Latin American um, community, it's women of, of, of both South Asian and East Asian descent, primarily Irish women. Uh, there is a history, mm-hmm. a long history of women who have to leave their home to go and either care for other people's children or to clean Um, homes or to care for the elderly and these women are working hard every single day and making sacrifices and often often having to leave their families behind at home and so growing up in England I didn't see this at all I didn't see it now it may have been there but where we grew up we just didn't see women or excuse me as a child I wasn't cognizant that maybe uh, a South Asian woman a younger South Asian woman walking with a family might have been the maid I I just didn't think that that was a possibility I didn't understand that could be a reality it's not Mm -hmm. until I came to America that I saw all of these black women pushing these white children in strollers I just didn't understand it as we would say I didn't understand it I just thought what is happening um unbeknownst to me there are many women in my own family who did this work and I just was unaware of it mm-hmm. so it bothered me and I didn't understand why it bothered me I just thought why are these women why why do they have to be the ones I didn't I you know I was too young to I mean I was probably old enough but just kind of my first thought was a racial thing why are these black yeah. women pushing these white babies what does that mean why can't white women do this job and just kind of a chip on my shoulder about it and I just Mm -hmm. kind of buried it I buried it for a while and one day I think I was on ocean parkway running or biking Mm -hmm. or some kind of physical activity and it just kind of popped in my head just popped into my head that this is what you should this is the project this is your next project okay and initially, it was a kind of um, ethno anthropological project where I was interviewing women and it was going to mm-hmm. focus on women in Brooklyn, uh, Caribbean women in Brooklyn who work as domestic workers. And I hadn't done, at this point, I started to do a little bit of work and I had a better understanding of the history of America and why black women uh, kind of transitioned from working. I uh, as enslaved people, then indentured servants, and this was work that was plentiful and accessible. Mm-hmm. But I didn't understand the Caribbean part, because I didn't understand the migration part. That I didn't understand the economies in the Caribbean. Um, and once I did that, then I had a better understanding of what was happening. And the reality is that um, black women in America. To start with, African-American women, as I just said, right, they transitioned out of this from the plantation. And then mm-hmm. in the 1970s, when more opportunities opened up in the private sector, more black women had access to opportunity and education from the 60s on, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, then they left those jobs, and it was the immigrant women who took these jobs, right, Women primarily from the Caribbean. They were the largest number of women of African descent at the time who took these jobs, along with some African women, but they came a little bit later in terms of larger numbers, especially Mm -hmm. in major urban um, cities. And this was work that was convenient because you didn't necessarily have to have a thorough background check. This work afforded um, residents a home, and also, mm-hmm. eventually, it could lead to residency, a green card, that could lead to citizenship. So it was women were very strategic when they took these positions. Not every person who became a nanny or a domestic worker did so because it was the only option. They saw this as a means to a longer, um, yeah, a longer, a plan. There was a plan in place that if they were able to get residency uh, via sponsorship by their family, the employer, then they could bring their, their own children over. And so it was a, it was a world, a shadow economy. Um, there was a lot I didn't know. And it became really, a uh, an important story to tell. Yes, but, a a passion project. I was a mission. I was on a mission to tell this story and to allow these women to speak for themselves. So that's where Norma yes. came in because she was great at directing me toward people that could, <laughs> that could help me with the project has her own experiences as well so that's how I came uh, to write this this project that looks at the experiences of the domestic worker across the globe across the diaspora yeah. and thinking about resistance and performance um, and uh, silence silence
1: yeah But I was thinking about what you said about um, not seeing it while in England. I had a very similar uh, experience in the Netherlands, even while I was reading. And I was speaking to a friend about it, too, that, you know, like, we either got picked up from school by aunt or grandma. um, And on Wednesdays, you have like a half day, got to hang out. And sometimes even see your parents a little earlier because in the Netherlands you're allowed to get off a little earlier on Wednesdays spend some time with your family so everybody was really family oriented I don't remember mm-hmm. any of my friends or anybody around me having like a hired help mm-hmm. uh, We're also what's it called latch ski is that yeah, what I've got that can get. And um, so that too, we just, you know, you had a key or you had that cord out the door and you pull it and you go home. Um, yeah. And, and I realized we work close to the home. Right. So if my mom gets off at five, at five 30, she's home. It's not like she pops right. up at seven because she's coming all the way from uptown. <laughs> right. And so it was just that difference for sure. Um, and then like, and then Uh, Another thing that popped up for me was that in the Netherlands, working with kids later on, like a a preschool teacher or preschool assistant or whatever, that was just, you just work with kids. Like it's not something that's necessarily frowned upon. And to see like a big difference here in how um, nannies or even to me, honestly, preschool teachers, are sometimes kind of just looked at as like, help as to where those are very formative years for children right and so that's like like, highly like you know like really have high regards for the amount of time or um uh input that those people put into your into your children um yeah because you do see a difference between what a child with a caregiver is able to do because the the caregiver just gears their day week whatever to the child's interest compared to a child that was with their parent. Right. Like, the parent is just, like, running errands or whatnot, like, really hard to get play dates with those types. So it's a very different um, take on it. And right. definitely seeing black women push white kids in the stroller was a new thing for me, and definitely like a Manhattan thing for a long time, too. Yeah. Yeah. Took a long time for it before it became a Brooklyn oh, yeah. um, view, oh, like street view. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah.
0: Well I can tell you I remember going to pick up I write about this in the book going to pick up my daughter from school going to collect her after school and one of the um, school friends saying oh your, your babysitter's here because yeah. it just was on. the kids weren't used to seeing you know black women at the school who were parents that if you were yeah. a black woman in the school the assumption was that you were a nanny so even though my kid was black the assumption was, oh your your babysitter's here and then my daughter's horrified face, like, no, that's my mom. What are you talking yeah. about? There is an and to your point about the perception of of um caregivers, that the amount of work and time that these women are educated oftentimes, that they've left their countries of origin. They may have been teachers or other kinds of um mm-hmm. and other kinds of professions before they came here. And they're not just pushing strollers and swings and pushing spoons into babies' mouths. That they're reading mm-hmm. to them and they're doing the math and they're teaching them how to be, you know, kind and respectful and they're working on their motor skills. Now, not all of them are necessarily doing so in a very intentional way. Um mm-hmm. but these are life lessons, right? I mean, it's to the extent that sometimes the kids don't make that distinguish. They don't, excuse me, they don't distinguish between the parent and the sitter because they spend so much time with the sitter who's teaching them, now say yes, now say no, now this is how you cross the road, oh, this is how you do your shoelaces, all of these um, kind of milestones and very important parts of development during the formative years are really the responsibility or the um, by-product of what the child learns from their caregiver? Oftentimes. Yeah.
1: Adam, um, like, yeah, definitely. I was going to tell um One of the kids I worked with, the aunt was like kind of upset and jealous because the kid didn't want to stay with her this one time that she came to visit in the afternoon and the parents were running late, but the aunt was there. And so they were like, well, normally you can go because the aunt is there. And the kid, like, she was like four at the time, I think. And she lost it. And she was like, I don't want to stay with this lady. And the aunt was like sad about it. And like kind of like, and she was like, you know, I'm your family, right? Like she said that right in front of me. And I, in my head, I was like, but she never sees you. And she sees me all the time. Right. Like, yeah. we do, like, and for long days, too, at the time. Back then, I was working from 9 in the morning to 7 at night wow. with them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that mom was, there. And so it, it was really interesting to, you know, have a whole day with them all the time. Right. And, like, from to the point of, like, you give them dinner and a bath, and then the parent comes home and, like, I guess hangs out and reads a book, whatever. And so it's very interesting to see how family works here compared to how family worked back home for me.
0: Well, family is important. Can I just just kind of stay on family for a second because that's one mm-hmm. of the things that I discuss in the book. This notion that the and and I use the terms interchangeably: caregiver, sitter domestic worker, because the terms are used interchangeably. I actually asked yeah. a number of women their preference and what it means. Some didn't like the word nanny at all. Some preferred mm-hmm. babysitter, some preferred caregiver. So I used the term uh-huh. interchangeably. But family, the idea of being family, to your point again, um, from the kids' perspective, you are their family. You're as an important yeah. uh, family member as anybody else in the biological scheme of things to the mother, it can create this tension on one hand, she's thrilled and she's happy to tell anyone who's present, oh, she's like family, I and mean, she sometimes really believes that because you're there and and sometimes the lines blur where it doesn't just become a relationship that's purely based on your obligation to her children or child. it can also be uh an established friendship um but there's always a power dynamic at play here, right? Because she can at any moment decide that she's unhappy with your performance or you're not working long enough or you weren't able to step in when she needed you most. Along with that, though, sometimes comes her ability to dump her emotional uh, baggage on you as well because you're a willing listener, because you're there, you're in the room you're doing your duties and she's there too. And she's chatting away. And before you know it, you're this kind of um, unofficial therapist as well. So this Mm -hmm. notion of being like family can get really tricky. And I know that there are domestic workers who really bond with the families because they're treated well and the children that they have a lasting relationship way after the job is over. They may have pictures of in their home. They send letters, they visit, I know that that for some people is very meaningful, but I know on the other hand, people really bristle at this notion of being like family. They want to be off when the clock is done, yeah. because when you have that blurring and you become like family, then you can exploit family, right? So if you're supposed to yeah. be finished at five, but you're like family, you don't. You might feel uncomfortable at five on the dot, saying, "Okay, I have to go." and then your employer says, oh no, stay for a cup of tea, or the child wants to play with you for a little longer, or can you come to the birthday party on Saturday? Then your time is not your own because when you do those things, you're not being paid. Nope. Right? If the clock ends at five I and you're stop. still there, you it would be really uncomfortable for you to say, well, actually I stayed until six. And then your employer will say, but no, you stopped at five. You were just, you know, we were just chit-chatting after six. It gets really murky. And as it a, does anecdote in the book about a woman who recounts an african-american woman who recounts being told that she was like family but then when the family moves to a new apartment building the husband ensures that he creates a back door so that she doesn't come in the front door so she can remember her place that they are not equal they are not family and this Mm -hmm. woman kept her maid uniform in her closet and had pictures of the family up around her apartment. And she did so not as a reminder of how much she loved the family, but as a reminder of how much she hated them.
1: Mm, that's intense. Mm-hmm. I like, yeah, that family notion is very interesting. I know good stories, like you said. And then um, people like actually, like, you know, one of the kids being grown now and getting married and being invited to the wedding. And, um, and then I always, I always had this one lady who would come to work in like a suit. And I used to always think like, why is she in a suit? I was like, that must be so, uncomfortable. and like, you know, like work, like not heels, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like booties and like, and I was like, oh my God, that must be so uncomfortable. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought about it as time went, I think I ended up working with kids for a good, like seven years in total or so, seven or eight years. Uh and as time went, I was like, I get it. Because when we go home on the train, she looks like she worked works in an office. And I think that was yes. her way. I don't you know, like I don't know her personal story. I don't know if she was waiting on um a green card or waiting on, but I think it was her way to hold on, like, this is not me. I'm doing this until yes. whatever else falls into place. And yeah. yeah, not a di- like her hair was always done, her she looked very professional every day, even though she worked um yeah. with children. Well, I
0: talk about this again in the book. Uh, one of the chapters deals with um Nandi Key's book called mm-hmm. Um The True Nanny Diaries. And mm-hmm. this is in mm-hmm. response to the very popular Nanny Diaries starring Scarlett Johansson, which follows that very Mary Poppins-like version of what life is like as the nanny and you get the hot guy at the end. And it's it's not like that at all. In fairness, I will say that the Scarlett Johansson version does its best to address some of the more challenging aspects of the job, whether that's dealing with the se- sexual harassment from yeah. the employer, um, the exploitation, obviously, again, of time, the class, dynamic, which is very apparent. Um, Being a caregiver and acknowledging the kind of neglect and abuse sometimes that comes from the parents. So they did a good job, but it was still Hollywood and still romanticized. It's not really until we get to Roma that we get a clearer and more honest depiction of what life is like for domestic workers. For black women though, unfortunately, and this is again another reason why I Wanted to work on the book. Black women as domestics in media are often just invisible presences. They're silenced. They don't really have any depth to their characters. Mm -hmm. The most iconic being Hattie McDaniel, who plays Mammy uh, in Gone with the Wind. But you go through the annals of history and you think about Black women who played domestics on television from the 1930s to... The two thousands, and we think about the help, right? Yeah. Um, and the way that the black women were portrayed to me in a manner that was very disgusting and dehumanizing.
1: Especially if the film is called The Help.
0: Exactly. And now it's more shifted more to Latina women in um in film and TV and media. But these women just don't have voice. I remember I loved Mad Men. I was so angry though at the representation of the domestic worker in that film. I think there's one time she gets to have her say. But for the most Mm -hmm. part, she's just kind of just invisible. So it's this invisibility of women across the globe, in South Africa, uh, in many continents. Uh, Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Sorry. (laughs) It's the representation, or the lack of representation of women, the invisibility of these Black women across the globe, on the continent of Africa, North America in Europe, you know, it's just bringing voice and giving visibility to those women. But in the True Mm -hmm. Nanny Diaries, this woman, uh, the character talks about moving to America and it's semi-autobiographical. I should note that many of the texts I used uh, were by women who were either formerly domestic workers themselves or they were the children of domestic workers. And the True Mm -hmm. Nanny Diaries is semi-autobiographical by a, a, a an author of Trinidadian heritage and she writes about moving to America to actually go to school to go to college and in the novel the character goes to Columbia, but then her scholarship runs out and her visa expires and So domestic mm. work becomes the next viable option and one of the reasons she takes the job is because as I said it's often cash in hand no questions asked you don't have to report to the government She's undocumented, so she wants to stay longer. It's one of the few positions available. Minding Ben is similar by Victoria Brown. Minding Ben has a similar storyline. But in the Mm True nanny Diary, she talks about coming to America, pursuing the American dream, attending graduate school. These unfortunate circumstances happen. She falls into domestic work. And before you know it, it's 12 years later and she's still doing this work. Mm -hmm. But She mentioned this woman who dresses well every day. And she dresses in the image of, in her, from her, in her opinion, she's dressing like her employer. And the women laugh at this woman for trying to emulate her employer. But I think what you're saying is that sometimes women, some women, need to feel a sense of dignity, and it's important mm-hmm. for them not to feel belittled, because oftentimes other black women might look at domestic workers as you know, a slave mentality. Why are you doing that work as less than? We don't have to do this work anymore without understanding the reason why women take on this work. And there are women who might choose, as I said at the beginning, to work as caregivers because they see the opportunities and the amount of money that can be made. Domestic Mm -hmm. workers, especially if they're educated, especially if they speak another language, especially as like you, Norma, you bring in a whole program. This is you know, reading and working on um, um, games that are going to increase one's uh, mental capacity and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. When you bring in these extra skills, then you can command a much higher wage and the women are happy to give it because they see that their children are thriving under your care. So there are, either you're invisible altogether and just kind of blend in the background and people just don't pay attention, or you're hyper visible, and there's a stigma attached to the work that you're doing.
1: What you're doing, actually like, um, want to tie that in with, um, because you covered some of, I was going to ask you about strength, uh, mixed with the silence of the black woman, black woman. I feel like you just covered that. So I want to take it back to the sexualization of the body, but like, especially, um, it was a big part of the beginning of the book, and I was kinda of eye opening, especially um, with certain um entertainments, entertainers that you don't um that I didn't necessarily put in that category at first in my mind. Like um I love the part where you mentioned like people like Beyonce or Shakira, like you know, like who still use sexuality, but like is it is it but not not necessarily in my mind I knew if they were frowned upon or not. And so, reading that um beginning of the book um, all the way back to like Sarja, who was mm-hmm. like brought from Africa to Europe to like to just be on display but and um and then what you mentioned about like how in things can be romanticized where you you know the the worker now becomes this um or like the whatever is the person who she's in um uh, employed by is intrigued by her now in a mm-hmm.
0: different
1: way. Mm-hmm. And so, from your research, tell a little bit more about that aspect or what you yeah.
0: Right, so I, um, as the, the title originally was Not Your Mother's M- Mammy, The Misrepresentation of the Black Domestic Worker in Transatlantic Media, and my publisher wanted me to change it. But representation is important. So I needed to frame my argument around um, scholarship about how black women are represented or misrepresented in media. And so mm-hmm. to go back to the whole idea of invisibility and silence, there are what Patricia Hill Collins calls these three controlling images of black womanhood, the mammy, the matriarch and the Jezebel. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the mammy figure you know, stems back to plantation, uh, the plantocracy and there's this perception of this, you know, larger black woman and she's asexual and we don't really know what's going on under all those, those clothes. And she's no threat to the slave mistress, um, the slave mistress, right? That she's no threat that she's going to use her feminine wiles to seduce the mm-hmm. husband. And Kara Walker takes this on in her artwork yeah, uh, in particular, in the um, marvelous sugar baby that was on exhibition at the Domino Sugar Factory, uh, where she creates this huge sculpture of a naked black woman, uh, a mammy figure, but her you know buttocks and her vaginal area is on display, and she has these huge breasts, and it's an invitation for people to witness the body to look at the body in its um all of its marvelousness but also in its mythologized sexuality and mm-hmm. she really is encouraging people to project the gaze this white gaze onto the body that's already there mm-hmm. but she's also kind of deconstructing it because it's a it is a myth it is a myth of this black body that is had become hypersexualized through out history, beginning with the great expeditions to these far and foreign lands and the exoticization and the fetishization of black and brown bodies and of the of the black woman 's body um playing on as you already mentioned, and you you, you gave the, the the Dutch pronunciation of uh, mm. As we say in English, Sandra Bartman, um, mm-hmm. but this notion of the abnormality of black women, the black female form, primarily focusing on the hind parts. Mm-hmm. So there's it is this long history of the sexualization of black women. So you've got the mammy, as I said, you've got the matriarch, the strong and uh, emasculating black woman, uh, the mm-hmm. the this whole notion of the strong black woman who can cut you down with her eyes and her sharp tongue, and that she's so independent that she doesn't need a man. Um, And then you have the Jezebel, right? That that she's hypersexual. And it's the Jezebel who was accused of seducing the white slave masters to come down into the slave quarters as he routinely raped these women that were as young as 12 and 13 and 14 years old. So these controlling images... Stigmatize black women to the extent that black women are no longer seen in their full humanity. They just become an archetype. You see it mm-hmm. in the commercials with the sassy black woman, the kind of mammy figure selling
1: mm-hmm.
0: all manner of household project pro- products mm-hmm. it has not changed. You see it in the whether it's whether it's videos of black women and music videos, whether it's um, film Obviously in the entertainment industry But we do have to be careful right? This whole conversation about respectability politics And policing black women's bodies And when can black women be free To express themselves And to own and express their sexuality And this is again mm-hmm. something that Carl Walker is getting to as well But there's a difference when Labels have been imposed on you And on the body Versus claiming your own sexuality On your own terms And I think in the section you're referring to with Beyonce, who, whenever I can get her into a conversation in my academic work, it's a win for me. (laughs) Uh, Beyonce is um, co-opting and appropriating the stereotypes and reclaiming what was seen as bad as her own. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people have debates, you know, Bell Hooks is no fan Um, and she thinks of Beyonce as what she calls a um, sexual terrorist and and Mm -hmm. thinks that women like Beyonce are I guess in in her view um, irresponsible in the way that they use their sexuality but for far too long black women have either been told with one thing or another and it's important for black women to claim our own identities who we want to be on our own terms so that's somebody might not understand the relevance of these controlling images and how they relate to the overall project but they relate because if black women are reduced to these stereotypes then you don't really see black women and it's easy to dismiss black women as one thing or another and especially domestic workers who um, their bodies are on a daily basis under potential attack that they are very Mm -hmm. vulnerable and we know that as domestic workers in the South, for example, they began working very early alongside their mothers. Same thing for places like South Africa. Um, the girls began working very early. And then that, so that made them very vulnerable to the attacks of men mm-hmm. in the home, whether it was the husband or other workers in the home. And many of them couldn't say anything because they were afraid that if they did tell their mothers, then the mothers would lose the job and the job is, you know, what providing for the family, so it, it, all, relates. Uh, it, it all
1: relates It very much did, I did like, um, as I was reading, I really did feel like um, it related into it, um, especially because that is that the strength mixed with the silence, I know we covered it a little bit before but what I, there's so much silence and um I was um I'm also now gonna refer to the part where for the longest like domestic workers are not um or caregivers or people that clean the homes. So like they're not covered often by unions or any type of like so there's so many horror stories of things that are like of how ways of people have been exploited, uh, not only sexually, like just um yeah. Yeah. you know, um wages and all those things. Yeah. And um verbal abuse and so there's a lot of there's so much silence but there's also so much strength there and so i did see how it could it could be so it's it's for me i was like it's uplifting to know that like images or ways of viewing the black woman is being um reclaimed
0: yes well, and I think, the,
1: mm-hmm. sorry, go ahead. And the strength that it brings to the people viewing those women, the, the women that are reclaiming it for us.
0: Yeah, a couple of things. Again, I want to reiterate that many of the stories that I'm I'm, that I'm telling here are written by women who were formerly domestics. But this is a multimedia project, so there are authors and there are filmmakers and there are visual artists, photographers. Um, and I can say for... Uh, The two South African artists in the book, Zanel Moholy and Mary Sabandi, who was um, gracious enough to allow me to use her artwork for the cover Mm -hmm. of the book. A really beautiful, beautiful image. It's gorgeous. That their mothers worked as domestics their entire lives. And they just became part of the backdrop of the nation. But a wonderful thing happened for the for marisa bandi. She was asked to create pieces uh during the world cup football or uh, soccer match in the uh mm-hmm. in in uh twenty ten and she created this series of huge photographic prints of domestic workers that were featured all across Johannesburg and For the first time, these black women couldn't be ignored, right? Mm -hmm. On a huge billboard, you couldn't ignore this black woman. You had to see her. And she was dressed in these wonderful gowns, these royal blue gowns that looked like the Victorian garb, very ornate in these different gestures. And when I went to South Africa to interview people to get their... Take on what they saw Not everybody necessarily understood what they were looking at Because you couldn't distinguish if it was an advertisement mm. Or if it was art And when I interviewed Mary Sabandi She said well, she wanted to blur that distinction Right Because the black woman's body Her labour has been for sale mm-hmm. So it's advertising that But at the same time it's advertising the beauty Of black women These women mm-hmm. who are the mothers of the nation who have raised generations and generations and generations of babies of European heritage, right? Of Mm -hmm. Dutch and British heritage. So that's a way of breaking the silence, right? And the invisibility, the work Black Girl, which is a film by Usman Sambeni, the only male who makes it into Mm -hmm. the book. Uh, The whole, in the whole book, you only get the interior monologue of the character who has moved from um, Senegal to France mm-hmm. to work as a nanny. And she is literally a prisoner in that home. They've taken her passport. She doesn't speak French. She can understand, but she doesn't speak French. And she's a prisoner in that home for weeks. And she's suffering daily. And she can't fight back. And she can't even speak out because she doesn't speak the language. She only speaks her own language. Mm-hmm. Um. And the film really speaks to this silencing and this trauma that women sometimes experience as domestics, enslaved mm-hmm. by their employers. Um, and what the filmmaker does is give this woman power through subversive acts. So why she can't verbally express her discontent She does so with clothing. Um, And so throughout the piece, I talk about the performative aspect of domestic work. That a mask is worn sometimes on the job. That they might women might seem as though they're deferential. But in actuality, mm -hmm. they find ways to fight back. And so in Black Girl, in Mary Sabandi's artwork, in the the And now more Holly's artwork Women use clothing as expression And Mm -hmm. a black girl The young girl Who's hired by the French family Dresses up every single day Just like the woman you spoke about Including Mm -hmm. a big wig And this jewellery very Ornate jewellery And her employer gets really angry With her And one day corners her and says Why are you dressing up You know you're just a mate Know your place And she puts an apron around her waist to signal the difference in class, in position. And the girl says, okay, I'll wear your apron, but I'm still wearing my heels and my wig and my makeup. I'll push your broom, but I'll continue to do so in an elegant fashion. And by doing so, she blurs the distinction of who's whom. If she's Mm -hmm. still dressed, like the madame and the madame is dressed then who's whom and somebody is actually also making a point about these white women who hire domestics right that there's a lack of agency and authority within that household that they only have dominion over their children mm-hmm. and they try to have dominion over these domestic workers and in the mm-hmm. film the film black girl in the film or no she ends up refusing to do the work, taking off the wig, wearing her traditional African clothing, throwing the European clothing on the floor, and she takes her life. It is a tragic ending, but in this particular story for the young woman, it is the only means of escape. It is the only way to become free. It is the only way for her cry for help to be answered.
1: hmm Yeah wow yeah, yeah. Powerful. that's powerful Mhm, very powerful oh my and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like I got it fully drawn and I blanked on my last question sorry about that <laughs> no, it's okay it's okay I appreciate the, uh, the questions I just like I'm even because you spoke about the art and that's really where I was going next because I think it's one of the most beautiful collections I've seen I really learned about the collection after Um, first being shown by you that what the cover art was going to be. And so I looked up the artist and um, saw more of her work. And it's just so gorgeous. And I'm actually also happy to see that, which I'm going to think is like my generation and generation after us, honoring these women. Because before I feel like everybody kind of had a dismissive feel too. What was really the sacrifices that were being made for the next generations you know yeah. like yeah um i've seen so besides this book besides your book um i've seen um in the recent years um a documentary type film um at a festival grenadian uh, lady made that film mm-hmm. and about the children that were left on the island and knew that their mom went and um Mm -hmm. worked with children and the pain that had that has actually caused in that in that generation of people there were like it was very hard to know that my mom was because i'm getting pictures sent home of her like holding these children and like not knowing or not realizing in the moment that that was a sacrifice that the mom was making for her own like you know like what you're watching is me loving you as a child because i'm making a sacrifice, hoping that I that you can be here with me one day or the money that I'm sending is home is bringing a better life for you there and just to um see all these um women now or being on our minds and and their stories really bring being brought to life and showing showing how much more there was to it and just you know work yeah and, which is how they're portrayed in Fill more
0: books, so yeah, yeah. There's actually another book called Barrel Children, uh, Barrel Children that that talks Mm. about this as well. Um, yeah, it is important, and I think the more that women have an opportunity to tell these stories, the better. But we should be honoring these women, lifting them up, giving them the platforms. I know right here in Brooklyn at the public library. Uh, There was a writing workshop that allowed domestic workers to come in and write their memoirs. Mm. Um, Again, I had the opportunity to interview lots of women and I still need to um, get that project uh, back up and started and, and transcribe those notes. And that's a, you know, the the project is ongoing it isn't, it isn't finished. It couldn't make it into the end of this book because it was just, um, just too long as it was, but that's mm-hmm. ongoing. And during the pandemic, I had the good fortune to speak to some women about their experiences during the pandemic, what that meant for them. Um, so it is, I mean, this is not a story that's over. Women continue to work as domestic workers. There's over a million women, according to the International Labor Organization. I'm thrilled to say that here in America, Kamala Harris, along with um, one of her colleagues has been pushing for a Domestic Workers Bill of Rights that should be Mm -hmm. coming soon. We do have a Domestic Workers Bill of Rights here in New York, but we need it to be nationalized. Um, Some of the women in the book have used their writing as a way to not just talk about the everyday experiences, but to also talk about the importance of unionization and what that means for domestic workers. Because in America, domestic work and agricultural work, which is primarily done by black and brown people, with the two professions that were not protected under federal labor laws. And so a mm. lot of work is being done to ensure that, that that happened, not just in America, but globally. And in places like the UK, where we often don't think about domestic work as a the kind of profession that we see here, um, more and more people are beginning to recognize the kind of um slavery-like conditions that women from... Um, The Middle East are experiencing, uh, along with the continent of Africa, women who come over with diplomats uh, to Mm -hmm. work as um, caregivers. And this kind of uh, underground uh, trafficking that goes on as well. So there's a lot that needs to happen. But, you know, my book is one of many. And I think my book is a little less scholastic and user friendly. So I do hope people are able to pick it up.
1: Yes, absolutely. So it's not your mother's mammy, the black domestic worker in the transatlantic women's media. I think it's a wonderful read. So I really do, and the beautiful pink (laughs) is very attractive. So people, please go pick it up. It's by our very own Tracy L. Walters. Thank you, Tracy. This is wonderful. Thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) And next, we'll have time. We'll have Norma talking about one of her many exciting projects. So. Thank you. Thank yeah. you everybody for listening. See yes. you next time. You can
1: catch us on Instagram. Follow us. It's Bag Girls with Accents. Shoot us your comments. Till next time. Bye. Bye.